passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ali's got the briefcase in hand! What the hell is Lester doing here? What is Lester doing here? The Braves just dumped Ali. Brock Lester's here. Brock is the eighth man of the match. Brock Lester has won money in the bank. Brock Lester. Ladies and gentlemen, the beast Brock Lester is Mr. Money in the And we are live. Welcome to the post office. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, and this is the Money in the Bank post show following the WWE's big event Sunday night in Hartford, Connecticut, where we have lots of stuff to run down. How are you doing tonight, Wei? Not so bad. Not so bad. There was a lot going on tonight. Uh, There was, yes. Most normal people would say that Money in the Bank was a distant, at best, third among their priorities with Game of Thrones and a Raptors game that you were definitely very tied to. I was very curious, yes, because it was another nail-biter, I have to say. This double, was double overtime? Double overtime. Wow. Yeah, so uh, it lasted probably just as long as the WWE pay-per-view tonight. Uh, yeah, just about. So we are going to be going into that pay-per-view, and also on tonight's show, if you are tuning in live, we will be taking your phone calls after our review. So if you want to jot down the number, it is 732-800-4423, or you can Skype in, just look for Post Wrestling, and you can Skype right in, free of charge, and we will be taking your calls as long as they are coming through, uh, plus taking your feedback. So looking forward to all of that. The Money in the Bank show way, as we previewed earlier this week on The Hangout, it was a show that I think had a lot, despite the, I think, overall opinions of the television product, this was still a card that had a lot of depth and I think a lot of potential going into it in terms of match quality and general interest that the Money in the Bank does bring about. On paper, I definitely thought it was a good-looking card. Uh, you know, the build has been what it is, and I think we, we don't really have to you know, talk about maybe uh, the, the lack of enthusiasm as it relates to that. But I think on paper, you know, with this roster, it certainly looked good. I, and I think the Money in the Bank concept itself tends to provide with a, a lot of surprises as the night goes on. So, yeah, before we uh, move on to the review itself, I should mention this particular post show is sponsored again by our good friends at Grapple. Grapple, which is the wrestling app that you use to rate matches and see what other people think of those particular matches. So uh, this app is available, of course, for free on the App Store and also Google Play uh, if you just search for G-R-A-P-P-L. Log in, you find the card of your choice. In this case, it would be Money in the Bank for tonight. And you view the aggregate ratings of each individual match. You could search for the best matches of a certain promotion by year or by month. 
13 promotions are on the app right now with Dragon Gate being most recently added. And then next week, it'll be 14 because AEW will be added. So for Double or Nothing, you can go to Grapple and rate each match live after they occur. So G-R-A-P-P-L on the App Store and also Google Play. Yeah, and we'll be checking in throughout the night to see what the users voted all of these matches. The one I'm most curious about. Forget all these ladder matches. Roman Reigns versus Elias. That is the match. I want to know what everyone voted uh, on the app. We will check in. So we will check that out. Money in the Bank. There's a lot to run down from this show. Uh, Going back to the kickoff show, it featured Jonathan Coachman, Charlie Caruso, Sam Roberts, and David Otunga on the panel. And then backstage, we had Sarah Schreiber, who started out with an interview of Becky Lynch, followed by Lacey Evans, Lacey calling Becky, Becky Big Mouth, and then compared her to trash. Ouch. Garbage. Trash. Schreiber then was interviewed by Kevin Owens, and this was really Kevin Owens back in his familiar role and constantly referring to Schreiber as Renee. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said he may break Kofi Kingston's hands, which would prevent him from clapping or have the ability to throw out pancakes. So it would be a debilitating injury to break the man's hands. Nikki Cross did a selfie promo, said that Alexa Bliss treated her like somebody, and she likes Bliss, and she wants to be just like her and win the briefcase tonight for Alexa. And there was no Alexa Bliss on the show. Of course, she was replaced by Nikki Cross earlier in the week, and this was the only mention of Alexa Bliss on the show. She didn't have any presence on the the show. Yeah, but you know, the uh, the promo like this tells you that, that this association will be continuing, so she was not successful tonight, and we wonder how that will affect Alexa Bliss's. Yeah, I think it's ultimately going to come down to when they're comfortable putting her back in the ring. But I think with Nikki Cross, yeah, that's an association that it's a good role for Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this past week, it was at least something for Nikki Cross because she has just been one of the shadow figures since uh, WrestleMania on the brands. Then Beth Phoenix and Sonya Deville jumped in, and we had this one segment where... Uh, they were talking about Mandy Rose's chances to win the Money in the Bank ladder match, and Zelina Vega interrupted and got into this shouting match with Deville, and they were just yelling over each other, and it threw off Jonathan Coachman, who just was lost in the middle of this. And I mean, it, he wasn't the only one. No, they were all like yelling over each other. And I know that most will probably watch this and just feel that it was just this mess of a segment. But I thought it was like the most natural argument I've seen in the WWE in a while where it wasn't I'm just going to yell my words and then you're going to yell back. It was it was these two just yelling over each other. It was just conveying it, this was not a well-produced segment. And in the the WWE inauthentic world, it was actually I, I thought I thought it came off well. But what was the point to ex- to explain the, the conflict between these two? And you think they're building to a program between these two? Uh, I, I feel, felt it had to be done for some reason here. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't so sure. You know, Zelina Vega versus like Sonya Deville is hardly something that, that I feel like would even require TV time. But I wondered about that. Um, in the end of it, I, I think anytime they do these things, especially with the women, it just makes everybody come across like an idiot. And to me, I dismiss both of them and rather than look at both of them as threats. The only kickoff match was Daniel Bryan and Rowan against the Usos. They had a non-title match. The Usos cut a promo, calling them SpongeBob and Patrick again. And then Rowan had the advantage for a long time. Bryan came in. He was stomping down on Jay. 
Brian then missed Jay, so that allowed for the tag to be made to Jimmy. Rowan hit Jimmy with a jackhammer for a two count, which I would think that move is going to be off limits for the next month. Maybe. Maybe. Rowan proceeded to hit a double superplex onto the Usos. Brian attacked Jay with kicks. Then it was the super kick party from the Usos. Uh, Jimmy broke up a label lock, and then the Usos super kicked Rowan on the floor, hit stereo suicide dives. They hit Brian with a super kick from the floor, and then followed with the double oose, and Jimmy pinned Daniel Bryan. 11 minutes, 10 seconds. Daniel Bryan goes from title match at WrestleMania to losing on the kickoff. That has to be quite the... Uh, quite the month-to-month uh, for Daniel Bryan, who, do you know who his opponent was one year ago at Money in the Bank? Uh, Miz? Big Cass. Oh, Remember of that feud? Yes, of course. So, well, that, there, there's an upgrade, at least. The post-WrestleMania programs for <laughs> Bryan have not been um, too memorable. Um, I, was, I was surprised by this. I thought this was going to be... Uh, Brian and Rowan just winning here. I and it tells you. I mean, Rowan was not the one taking the fall here. They he has been the more protected of the two. It's pretty clear. I definitely find that interesting. At the same time, I I really do not fault them at all because I think Brian could take a pinfall and it does not change his stock at all. He's still Daniel Bryan. Whereas I think Rowan, throughout this tag team, has really been reinvented. To me, like he, I'm enjoying him so much more. First of all, I actually get to watch him wrestle in a tag team. But his size and power matches up so well with guys like the Usos and Brian. And really... And you can hide him in a tag. And he, But, you know, his the things he does well, which are his power moves, all that's really accentuated But by the contrast of seeing him in there with all these other smaller guys. So, to me, he's, he, he hasn't come across better. He's, he comes across better here than he did in the Bludgeon Brothers. So, I think protecting him is totally fine. Brian can take the loss. This seems to indicate to me that they are really concerned about the lack of tag teams on SmackDown. You have oh, nobody. Clearly. You have nobody else to go back. They to. have no faith, obviously, in Nakamura and Rusev, who would be a natural babyface team to keep these guys busy. But obviously, they don't see them at the level, and the Usos are going to be feuding with Brian and Rowan. Obviously, yeah. I mean, at this point, I, I think honestly, it's kind of a downgrade of of Brian. But I guess they don't have plans for him in the title picture, so mm-hmm. keep him busy in this in this tag division that, I mean, there isn't a whole lot going on. I really don't dislike it because I think, you know, Brian's out of the title picture, therefore uh, giving him, making him at the top of a different division kind of gives him a, a goal. Yeah, And at the same time, protects him, but extends perhaps his shelf life by putting him in tag team matches rather than, you know, these long singles main events. Do you think given the, uh, you know, his, his health issue that he had at WrestleMania that they are, you know, putting him in tag matches is something that they're doing more so at a necessity just to hold off this guy. I'm sure that that is that helps, but I, I lighten the load a bit. The thing with Brian, though, is I feel like so much of this comes from a creative desire. Like you can already tell after he won the belts, the types of promos he was cutting. I think he's probably just as invigorated with this title run as maybe his other one. Yeah, it's it's if the, if you're continuing with the program, like the finish makes sense. It just seems that the Usos are spread very thin right now. They're feuding with the Revival on one show. They're in a tag title program in Ugh. the other. And it just it really just muddies things. And it's it's not as though there's a shortage of teams. There are teams out there. It's just but there are no teams. They've like been the U- booked into oblivion. There, and- there are no teams like the Usos or as as over as the Usos. I mean, you have the Revival. You have really good teams, but they've all been booked like comedy. Terrible. Acts. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I, I'm curious how the authors or the authors of Pain are booked when they come back. Um, oh yeah, they need a babyface tag team, but I really don't like the authors in that role. You would assume they would be in a heel role, but they don't mm. need a heel tag team. They have enough of those. Yeah, yeah. Something tells me about that certain act that they will definitely come back as heels first, and then you know maybe because the the War Raiders are sorry, the Viking Raiders kind of fulfill that role already on Raw, so I kind of see them more as SmackDown teams. On Grapple, any guesses, John? Uh, I'm going to go uh, two and a half on this one. Very close. 2.86 out of five oh, okay. is what the grapple audience voted this one. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good match, especially for a kickoff. The announcers didn't know what this means because the uses are on Raw and Rowan and Brian are on SmackDown. And they explained the wild card rule has opened up Pandora's box. And now a Raw team can challenge for the SmackDown Tag Championships. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, Whatever. Match, uh, I, I think the audience, they got into the finish. It was, a, it was a good match for the kickoff, I thought. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think these two teams have just excellent chemistry. Uh, you know, all the whole brand stuff aside, I'm looking forward to seeing a third encounter. The main show kicked off with, uh, they had a graphic for Ashley Massaro, um, which is nice that they acknowledged that. Um, did we talk about, we, we didn't, we haven't Not talked yet. about Ashley because that happened later on Thursday after our last show. It's uh really sad story she was only 39 years of age and yeah i think it's uh, it's just a really really sad story involving her not a very long time in the wwe she won the diva search in 2005 and she was done by 2008 but had been training was looking at, at getting back into things and she was scheduled for a meet and greet at starcast this weekend which coincided with her birthday as well and she's, leaves behind a child as she well she was at WrestleCon. yeah like not that long ago mm-hmm. would we 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 were in that convention like yeah, yeah it's amazing um you know there have been certain things that might have been alluded to online nothing official reported yet though as yeah. far as cause of death yeah it's yeah. um yeah it's it's kind of there it hasn't been officially ruled yet so i'd rather not uh yeah definitively state i will say though that you know it has brought back to light the the allegations that were made when she joined the concussion lawsuit and part of that lawsuit, uh, she had made allegations that when she was on an overseas tour that she was sexually assaulted and the 15 page affidavit that she had uh, had has is now online and you can read the allegations and, and in painful detail. And I think that the story is going to get a lot of a spot uh, of a spotlight this week because there are a lot of unanswered questions about what what did happen. Um, Ashley, the WWE has come out and stated that she reached out to them last year after the concussion lawsuit had been thrown out and apologized for being part of the lawsuit and said that she had largely had been kind of roped into this whole thing, um, but never explicitly said she made up allegations or was denying that these things happened. And unfortunately, now you will not be able to to speak with her regarding it. But I, I think that that story is going to get a lot of attention this week. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's something that we will be monitoring this week. The main show started off with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, Ember Moon, Bailey, Carmella, and Mandy Rose. And uh, first of all, Naomi coming out dressed as Bumblebee. I like the look. I thought it was an awesome look. Yeah. Something she had the wings on. Her hair was uh, like done up. I thought it was a real cool look for her. Something special, something different. Um, and, and I thought she was one of the standouts in the match. I thought she performed really well, well too. Well, honestly, looking at the list, like to me, she seemed to be one of the top contenders, in my opinion. And whether or not she was going to win the match, I think, you know, having eyes on her, she was going to, you know, have, have certain spots that would make her shine. 
So uh, they came up with a lot of uh, interesting ladder spots. At one point, they tried to sandwich Naomi with the two ladders from opposite sides. So to avoid it, she did the splits. So the women ran into each other with the ladders. Early on, they did an injury angle with Carmella where she had injured her knee and the officials helped her to the back to take her out of the match. Rose and Natalia then put Bailey between a ladder and shut it on her, and Naomi followed with a split-legged moonsault. Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose fought on the ladder, and Brooke grabbed onto the cable holding the briefcase and hung over top the uh, the Devon Dudley spot, and then Cross, Naomi, and Bailey all tried to climb at the same time. Everyone's on the ladder. Natalia tips it over, and then from the outside ladder that's set up on the floor, Ember Moon dives off of it and hits the eclipse in the ring onto Natalia, and that got the biggest reaction of the match. It was Ember Moon's really her only spot in this match, but it was a pretty memorable one. It was pretty cool. Rose is alone in the ring when Carmella limps back down the aisle. She attacks Rose. She begins to climb. And then Sonya Deville runs in, yanking Carmella off. And Deville is lifting up Mandy. She starts climbing with Rose on her shoulders. When Bailey climbs up, sending Deville and Rose off, Bailey's left alone and grabs the briefcase. 13 minutes, 51 seconds, and grabs the briefcase. And I thought they were going to do my idea, which they didn't do, but they did a... Kind of the babyface version of what I was suggesting. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah, Bailey winning, I think, you know. She needed this. Yeah. I mean, typically you see on these shows, it's like often a heel winning and then a babyface winning. And I guess this was a, a babyface Money in the Bank win. I thought it was actually a really good match. Much like last year's Money in the Bank ladder match with the women, I enjoyed that one. And I thought it exceeded a lot of expectations. This was similar. You know, it had the same type of feel of... Um, any of the, the women's big matches where you can see that they put a lot of effort, effort into it, perhaps a lot of like rehearsals going into it to make sure that everything, you know, is ex- executed perfectly. Not everything was 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 kind of done perfectly, but I would say that it was pretty good. Like I couldn't really point out too many glaring, glaring you, you mistakes. You can tell like there was a lot of thought put into different spots in the match. And the comparison to the, the men's match seemed like this year they were going out to just shock you with like, violence yeah Yeah, with like painful stunts yeah and this was more kind of thought out stuff like there was nothing in this match that i watched and was like cringing uh no like the women killing each other and and in many ways i kind of prefer that in my Uh, i will take that any day you know you kind of need a a level of both especially with money in the bank matches i don't ever need sunset flip power bombs onto (laughs) ladders i'm good i'm fine but I thought there were some, you know, very clever spots designed here. I thought almost everybody had a good chance to shine. Uh, Naomi in particular. Um, Ember with with that big, great spot at the end as well. I didn't so much kind of buy into the whole Carmella injury thing. You know, if she was a babyface that I think a lot of people were buying into, like, then if it was Bailey in that spot. I thought Bailey could have uh, worked in that role. It's also very predictable. You know what I mean? Like, so I didn't really get into the whole Carmella being injured and coming back thing. Uh, but Bailey winning... I I love. It. I think by the end of this night, I had no issue with it. I think no, tonight no. was a really strong uh, rehabilitation for Bailey. Yeah. Uh, what did the uh, the grapple folks have to say? Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. A th- th- uh, let's go three point two five. You're very close. Three point one one. Three eleven. Three eleven. Yes. Paul Levesque is on the phone and he got interrupted by annoying Sami Zayn who just kept talking and talking. Levesque hangs up, and Zayn is worried about Braun Strowman showing up to attack him, and he can't get into the right frame of mind for the ladder match tonight. And Levesque informs him that Braun Strowman has been banned from the building. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, All taken care of. We'll see. This begins the uh, show-long storyline involving Sammy and Braun. 
Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the United States title. Uh, can you pull up the WrestleMania card? Because I want to compare times here between okay. uh, Money in the Bank and WrestleMania. Uh, first of all, Dominic is showing backstage watching the match. And uh, the notable spot of this match, there weren't too many because it was quick. Mysterio hit a seated senton and nailed Joe right in the nose. And Joe comes up and he's bleeding from the nose. And then all of a sudden, Ray just catches him with this cradle and pins him in a minute 39 to win the United States title. Now, since this match has gone on, uh, Mike Johnson has reported at PW Insider that they called the audible to end this quick because Joe broke his nose and uh, they they cut the match short because of it. So this one went a minute 39. I want to say this was longer than the WrestleMania match. It was longer. The Mania match is listed as zero uh, 59 seconds 59 seconds yeah. so for for two pay-per-views they went a grand total of two minutes and 38 seconds i mean it's fascinating you know it's fascinating especially if the reports are true that this was intended to go longer and they called the audible to end this just this long well i it's think based on re- what they did with reigns and elias they wouldn't have scheduled both matches to be that length so perhaps but you know it kind of works out because you kind of draw the parallel between this and the other one, I guess um, it, you're kind of back to 50, 50, but of course this program should continue with Dominic involved in everything in the post-match angle. Let me just say the, the, the camera shot that they had of Joe reacting to the, to the loss with that blood all over his face. Oh, was... and the blood, there was one shot and the blood just dripped down from his nose yeah. as he was shocked. It was awesome. It looked great. It looked like, I mean, you know, not as not as important, obviously, as the Becky Lynch uh, bloody nose shot, but it looked just as cool. I should also mention on the watch along, um, Jimmy Uso mentioned that Samoa Joe's been battling the flu. So he was at least, you know, probably not uh, 100%. Going into this. Yeah, that's interesting because when the superstar shakeup happened, there was the night he was supposed to be on Raw, and the report was he was very sick to the point right. they didn't put him on TV. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so he was, he mentioned on the, on the watch along that he was sick, and like he and Pat McAfee joked that it was like his Michael Jordan flu game, this match. Well, what, uh, two mi- one minute of it at least. Yeah. So Dominic celebrated with Ray until Joe returned attacking Ray. Um, which is interesting that they they called an end to the match, but then continue with the post-match attack and still got that physicality in. Yeah, program's supposed to continue. Um, you kind of had to do this, right? I guess so. Yeah. It's like it was serious enough that we attend the match, but we had to continue the physical stuff after. That's what I find. Like so the, f- the post-match was longer than the match. It's kind of what I find so fascinating. At what, at, to, uh, to what threshold do they say this is too much? We got to end the match, you know? Like, knowing Joe, he probably would have continued if he wanted to. But again, we talk about stuff like this, and we we should applaud them for wanting to end matches early, you know, for for just kind of... Yeah, he hit... Unnecessary um, reasons. He attacked Ray and hit it with a Uranagi and a Senton, and Dominic was just left watching. There was no physicality involving Dominic, but Joe yelled that this has only just begun. So mm. I think we're going to a five-minute Ironman match in Saudi <laughs> Arabia. So? Yeah. Maybe we'll go to like a two out of three falls. Now, more. now that it's been several months, how, how do you assess the, this Rey Mysterio run? Like here is a guy that is one of the most coveted free agents. Yeah. WWE lands him. You can only imagine what he would be doing if he had not signed with WWE. He would probably be a centerpiece of AEW. Absolutely. You- I, I, I think it's been disappointing so far. And yeah. especially given the quality that he had been putting forward on television. And, you know, this Joe program's had a lot of circumstances beyond their control or just outside factors that I think have affected it. But um, 
I, I don't have a lot of faith in this Dominic program being um, all it could be. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you saw some good Andrade matches on TV, um, but, you know, that never really culminated into a, a, a program. And this Joe thing, I would consider these two rather false starts if what you're looking for is, you know, a five-star quality match for, between these two. Um, that said, I feel like his signing from the WWE is as much, you know, having him here to get your other stars over as it is to take him off of the chessboard so that other people don't have him. You have two seconds to answer this question. Okay. What brand is Rey Mysterio on? It's raw. <laughs> you were about to say SmackDown. It is raw. It's hard. <laughs> Grapple rated the match. Um, 0. 0.5. 1.17, almost as long as the actual match went. Okay, that's what the seated senton rates. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know how you would rate a match like that. No, it's hard. I mean, I wonder what some of these money in the bank uh, cash-ins will be. Anyway, we go on. We cut to the back, and uh, Ban Strowman is wreaking havoc searching for Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. And he's also in his ring attire. Yeah. Shane McMahon versus The Miz steel cage match. They come out. Shane immediately runs for the cage to get out. I will say this about Shane. He he has really started to grab me as like a heel. Like he played a really good coward in this match, I thought. And that yeah. to me has always been a, an inability for Shane McMahon to ever play the lesser role, the 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 non-tough guy. And he played it. He was just running for cover. Like, I thought he played a good heel here. I would say like this almost this entire run, he's been like a good textbook heel, in my opinion. I These mean, two and- have a weird chemistry. Yes. That on their own, it's very tough, but whether they're as partners and now as feuding together, I'm not saying their matches are blow away great, but no. together in segments, like they have a very good chemistry. I will say they certainly expe- exceed expectations. Yes. I thought, I thought Th- that this was, match was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought that was the case for Ray- Mania and they greatly exceeded my expectations there. It's same with this one. Yeah. This one didn't lose the crowd and yeah. they stayed in the cage the entire match, which I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I thought he was either going to be brawl all over the, the arena first or they'd break out of the cage and or, they did neither. Or a ton of weapons and it wasn't that. They didn't rely on too much. It was, it was yeah. just, you know, inverted triangles and bad frog splashes. Yeah. Um, so it's just Miz. Um, first of all, Shane sets up for a coast to coast early and Miz catches him as Shane just drops down. Um, anytime his coast to coast gets thwarted in midair, it's like, oh, my God, please don't bang your head into the, the mat. He seemed like he landed this as much on his back as he could. And Miz got his chair into the ring and he grabbed it. Shane is begging off. He's doing all the classic heel spots. And Miz just attacks him. He closed the door on Shane's head and then hit Shane with a skull-crushing finale onto the chair. Everyone thinks it's over. Shane gets his foot onto the bottom rope. And Michael Cole says, there's no DQs in a steel cage match. True, Michael Cole. But that is not a DQ because that is you still have to pin someone within the fighting surface in the, in the uh in the ring. A rope break is not classified it's, as a DQ. No, but is it is right? a rope break. But it is a rope break. Yes. 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 And Jimmy Corderas was was handing out knowledge tonight on Twitter. So thank you, Jimmy. About this rule. Um, Shane climbed the cage and got hit in the chair with a leg. The two are sitting on top. Miz is attacking him and then ran him into the cage. And Shane just falls dead weight onto the ring. This was quite the fall. Mm-hmm. And then Miz hit what I have dubbed the... One star dog splash. <laughs> this thing looked like a, a seal falling and just blubbering on top of Shane. It was one of the most hideous splashes I've ever seen. I don't know if the man had practiced it 
at I all. I hope not. Or I don't know if it was a spur of the moment thing. I'm sure in his mind he looked a lot better than he probably came across. This was like you know, uh, rec league somebody some trying to do the Michael Jordan pose and failing miserably. It was so bad that when Shane recovered and applied the inverted triangle, I couldn't even muster up a complaint about that because oh, of what I just seen in before. Comparison. Absolutely. Yes. Shane yeah. tries to climb over to get out. And again, he's doing all this. He's just trying to escape. He's not trying to beat this guy. He just wants to run from Miz. And Miz grabs him. He's trying to suplex him over into the ring. But Shane just goes like he sandbags him and falls through sliding out of his shirt to the floor and lands on the floor as Miz is left holding his shirt. Yeah, that was cool. Actually. I thought... I, uh, like we talked about this, that Shane has to somehow backdoor his way into a victory because mm-hmm. I think ultimately it's him and Roman Reigns that this is going to lead to a match involving. You don't think they'll get an- another rematch out of this? Program. I think they could get another rematch out of this, but I think Roman Reigns is the ultimate destination. But I think that makes, I mean, if the Miz does not ultimately win this feud, it makes him look terrible. Well, and- I'm not saying this is, and Miz has actually, I'm not saying he's a great baby face, but this is the most over he's been as a babyface. I agree with that. But you know what? The more I watch, the more I kind of feel like this is due to the work of Shane McMahon. Because I've seen The Miz up against other babyfaces on Raw when when Shane is not there. And he's not as good. So I, I maybe it's to me. Maybe I'm just more impressed with Shane and, think, and thinking he's the workhorse in this feud. Well, Shane you know? Shane has to be on the Saudi Arabia card. He's got to defend his best is. in the world trophy, right? I, could, I mean, aren't they going to do this match again? Probably. Saudi Arabia? I would think. I would think so. Yeah. Some kind of stipulation. But, you know, I thought this was infinitely better than the Shane Taker cell match for what was ha- happening inside the cell, at least, which is what I afraid I was afraid this match would be. But I think they learned from it. They didn't let Shane dominate the match using his submissions or his strikes. Instead, it was Shane backpedaling pretty much for the entire match. Got a few, you know, in- impressive spots here and there. But they kept it compelling with interesting segments between the match. It never dragged to me. It never felt slow. Um, and it, they didn't even have to rely on a big Shane dive to achieve it. No, I think that they they should be applauded for the lack of shortcuts that they they could have gone to. I'm not saying this was a match of the show or anything. It was not pretty at spots, but it exceeded what I expected going in because I was not looking forward to this at all. Yes. Grapple, though, I'm afraid, might not necessarily agree because they rated this one 1.63. Oh, wow. Is that the lowest so far of the show? No. No, Ray and Joe was yes. lower than that. Yes. Monday night on Raw, they're going to be in Albany, New York, and they announced that Mick Foley will be on hand, uh, has not been on the show in a long time, and he's going to be introducing a new championship belt, a new title way. This this is exactly what I think will turn ratings around, another championship. Yes. Uh, From what I understand, the idea is that it's going to have some kind of a a 24-7 rule attached to it, so it can be defended anywhere. Um, on any brand, I assume. I I would assume so, because the mm. term I was given was 24-7. So that, to me, is a title that you could put on whatever shows. You could do digital clips out of. You okay. could do house show title changes. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it might be a t- the type of belt that um, children might really be into. Maybe casual audiences might be really into. Um, especially if they, they let this kind of, like, you know, permeate through social, like, YouTube and things like that. I I can't anticipate this creating too many interesting matches. Maybe great backstage segments to come. I don't know. Somebody here wanted to bring back the 24-7 rule. Yes. Somewhere. More titles were, were necessary. Yeah. Uh, then we had Sami Zayn 
hanging upside down. So if he had this championship, he would have been prone to be pinned here. Uh, And he's just hanging upside down. Everyone's scrambling for help. And Sami Zayn ends up being taken to the hospital. And we're left to wonder who attacked Sami Zayn. Tony Nese versus Arya Davari for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, You know, these guys were, this crowd was just not into the match. I thought this would be on the kickoff personally, but I guess, you know, the kickoff only being an hour, they kind of need the rest of the time to, to promote. Yes. The, yeah. We had, we had an 11 minute match on a yeah. 60 minute show. Um, we, we couldn't possibly fit this somewhere. I was honestly surprised because looking at the, the card, like 11 matches, I thought they, they would have trouble or, and we uh, ended up with 12 cause we got a, an added match and, with and the, we ended at, at 10 45. So yep. it they raced me, through a lot or either that or, or they just felt, like this was a light card. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to complain about the pacing that they they didn't go know. crazy yeah. overtime. Uh, they went nine and a half minutes here. Uh, nice hit a Fosbury flop and a 450 splash for a near fall. Davari came back, hit his hammerlock clothesline for a big near fall that the the announcers were really into and sold big the lack of uh, kickouts to that move. And Nice made his comeback, hit the running Nice and pinned him at 925. The work was fine. Uh, I, I didn't think this was a blow away. Great match, not some of the level of Buddy Murphy's matches on past pay-per-views. And, you know, this was kind of the curse. You look at the kickoff and people groan when the Cruiserweight title's put there. The other side is here where you guys, you have two guys that are not really over to the majority of the audience and you're putting them in the middle of the show and you got a dead crowd here. So... I really don't know what the aim is with with, um, the Cruiserweight matches, especially the Cruiserweight matches on a Um, pay-per-view. And this style of match, like this was... the. 80% 80% of this match was just like there was nothing differentiating this style from anything else on the card, only it's lesser known guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really not sure why they continue to to put the cruiserweights on. Um, you know, they're, they're great matches, and I see the purpose of doing it if it's on the kickoff, if you really want to excite a crowd and energize a crowd before. But, like, I, I think just to, like, put them on for the sake of putting it on, you ultimately just – they just kind of turn into these – intermissions i feel for most of the audience who who might not be familiar what what is your ultimate outcome for 205 live i mean are they just waiting for i think a he, deal? like they have this third hour that they tape on smackdown and once they have someone that is willing to pay them for that hour like i, I think that's the extent of 205 live until yeah. there's an offer that comes along that makes it worth their while i don't think they're going to hesitate to get rid of the show well in the meantime I, I would try rebranding it and trying to make it into maybe something that actually you know is is a compelling watch for for people uh who who might even want to purchase it at some point because i i just don't see the the importance to the show right now i think the people who watch it might really enjoy it you know for some of the in-ring but it's it's I, that, that I, mean, I don't hear enough. about it. I don't hear about it enough to, to suggest that, that that those numbers are very high at all. If you're telling someone, what did I miss on 205 Live this week? It's like, ah, there was a really good, you know, three and a half star match. It's like, okay, I, I've got numerous ones of those. Good wrestling alone is not driving me yeah. for another hour of wrestling. It's great. These guys have, have jobs that they have um, spots here, but it's like, I don't see any growth with this brand. There is, you could watch Ron SmackDown all those hours and you never hear about 205. It's kind of become more of like a version of their developmental, you know, with four guys like Ali and, and, and Buddy Murphy to really prove their worth before they, they jump up onto the main roster. It's kind of what it's turned into. Yeah, only it's, you're not really, it's the rare instances of guys that do move on to the other shows. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even Buddy Murphy, like he's kind of in limbo at the moment now since the shakeup. Um, grapple. 
grapple. What did they... Uh, I'm going to guess a two. 2.64. 2.64. I think I know how, how, how most of the people on grapple might tend to vote, but well, they do surprise me. Did you like say. the match? I liked it. I liked it probably as much as, you know, uh, most of the 205 Live main events. For me, it's it's just more so... Um, I didn't think this was at the level of some of the past ones. Besides the in-ring, I, I, I just wasn't really hooked by it. Paul Levesque confronted Braun Strowman, and he denied attacking Sami Zayn. And Levesque just asked him to leave the building. And it felt like a future tease of a program here with, with Hunter and Strowman. And by the end of the night, you would see Hunter kind of as the mastermind here, pulling the strings and coordinating this attack on Sami Zayn. Ah, uh, yes. And Strowman being left... Um, so I guess the miss. I thought after watching this, I'm like, something that this show could use right now is kind of a mystery and play it out over several weeks. Well, the mystery to me it ended by the end of the night, but nonetheless, we had a mystery for at least two hours of who attacked Sami Zayn. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you were left here, it, it wasn't Strowman. It was now. How does else. this make Sami Zayn look? Like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get that Triple H Sami Zayn program anyway. No, so. no. I was saying Hunter and and Strowman seems to be more Brock and Sami Zayn. I think that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The like, but maybe Brock is his idol because he's not on social media. He doesn't deal oh. with the people. He doesn't like being around people. He's at home most of the time. Then we go to our first women's title match. It's Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans was the first match for the Raw Women's Title. Evans comes out with this elaborate outfit, this giant green, like almost a sombrero. And she has these plastic guns that are shooting money out of them. Like this was quite the entrance. It was her Okada Rainmaker. It was, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, The audience was very loud for Becky Lynch. They were humming her theme song. And Evans attacked the left arm and stomped her hand. So maybe borrowing uh, from the Rainmaker and also from... Kevin Owens. Uh, no, Mr. Umbrella, Marty Skrull with oh, the, the hand uh, okay. manipulation. Lynch fought back. Uh, she hit a missile dropkick that the announcers explained didn't fully connect. So Evans just rolled to the floor and Evans caught her out of the corner and appeared to be going for a, a stunner, almost like uh, the, the Dudley dog yeah. that Spike Dudley used to use. And this was not smooth. Evans then went for a roll up and the referee wasn't counting. So this was this time standing still moment and then Becky finally turns it into the disarm her and Evans just taps out immediately at 840 to retain the title yeah I couldn't really tell what was the issue with the finish I don't know if you know maybe the ref saw that uh, uh Becky's shoulders weren't completely down maybe that's why he didn't count it but it certainly called I bet the- they're super cautious now after the mania finish of the shoulders and yes so and they made a point of airing the replay of Joe Mysterio to point out that Joe's shoulders weren't down. That's right. Did, uh, we forgot, forgot to yeah. mention, but there was controversy there. Yeah, Absolutely. they played up the controversy, which, yes. um, yeah, now we never know what, whether these shoulders are meant to be down or not meant to be down. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would kind of continue into this match, where I, I certainly felt like the lack of, you know, near fall before the disarmor, of course, hurt the finish. And even before that, um, the most glaring mistake was, was of course, the Dudley dog. Um but how do you think Lacey Evans did overall? Uh, not great. I, I, I didn't think this was a very good match. I think they were they benefited from a hot audience for Becky Lynch. But in terms of just watching the actual match, even eight and a half minutes, I thought was asking a lot of Lacey Evans. It was a big position for her. And I, I, I didn't think this was a very good match. I'll say, you know, again, considering the level of experience of experience that Lacey Evans has, uh, this kind of being being her first like pay per view match, um, in a title match, no less. 
I thought she did fine, but you have to consider the fact that she is an experienced, inexperienced person. The, 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 the troubling part is, is that, you know, you, somebody being put in a position like this, your expectations already going to be way higher. And, you know, was her performance on the level of somebody who should be challenging for a championship belt? No, it wasn't. Um, but I think the way ultimately the segment ended up being, you understand that she wasn't necessarily here to challenge for the belt. She kind of more so played the first in a gauntlet for Becky, which is what it was. Still, yeah. I thought it was a, a, a maybe a bit much to ask of her. And by the end of it, you know, I think her reputation is kind of affected um, because not everybody's going to give her that leeway. She has, she didn't go back to that, um, the, the, the moonsault, the, the moonsault yeah. um, which, you know, she, she had the, the knees that landed on Natalia. So has not done that since Becky is going to leave with the belt after the match when Charlotte Flair's music plays and they're going right into the SmackDown women's title match and a lot of heat at the start. And Charlotte uh, has a huge smell on her face. Like she was great. Charlotte yeah, was really great here. Yeah. Um, she applied a Boston Crab early. She's slapping Becky around. I think they're they're having a great match. Like they're six minutes in, and I'm like, man, they're gonna have a really solid match here. The crowd's with them. Both women are on point here. Charlotte is really standing out. When Evans runs back down and nails Becky with the woman's right, and then Charlotte went to cover her, but Becky turned it into a cradle, and everyone thinks she's going to pull out the victory here. Charlotte kicks out, and the place pops huge for the near fall. Charlotte gets up, and she goes for the running boot, which misses by a mile, and that's the finish. She pins Becky six minutes and 12 seconds. Um, I, I thought the ending really screwed up what was on its way to being a very good match, but I was really disappointed that this they only had the six minutes. Yeah, yeah, well... This segment was going to be a lot more than just, you know. The no, Becky this was not right? about it. This seemed as though Becky and Charlotte were doing the match, but we're not giving you this a, was a not, proper match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I but unfortunate that I thought both Becky finishes were somewhat uh, ruined. Oh, both were say. messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I have to say, too, I think, you know, seeing these two matches to me kind of highlights that Becky, even though while I think she's very good, she's not necessarily good enough to carry somebody like Lacey Evans to a good match. Whereas I, I feel like Charlotte is a bit Sh more Charlotte capable. is the star of the division. Yeah. Like, she really is. So, you know, but you had a really hot crowd here. I like the booking a lot. Um, and then we, we kind of get to the next thing. Yeah, so... Evans returns and her and Charlotte double team Becky. They're stomping her down. The crowd starts chanting for Bailey. So when Bailey's music hits, this place explodes. And in that one minute, that that pop, it was like Bailey was they hit the reset. Oh, yeah. It's, it's 2016 all over again. And you're coming up from NXT and all the bullshit of the last two years. The feud with Sasha, the feud with Alexa. This is your life. Yeah. We're going to forget all of that. You get a clean slate. Well, this is one of the things that I think, you you know, is one of the benefits of having a brand split. You can give people mini resets as they move to different shows. Bailey ran down and she's got the briefcase. She attacks Charlotte and Lacey Evans, uh, but then gets knocked down. And Charlotte goes to spear Bailey, misses and drives herself into the turnbuckle, which must have been the hardest turnbuckle ever because she was motionless for 
minutes on end. The audience is cheering. Bailey did a great job of conveying everything and milking it, looking at the briefcase. The audience knew what she was thinking. So when she finally handed it over to the referee, this place exploded. This is one of those like things that I think WWE does really well is like they are able to, whether it's, you know, through your Shawn Michaels matches or what, they're able to convey a lot through uh, physical acting and just kind of like standing there and letting the audience, you know, draw conclusions using camera shots to you know, convey what what the person is thinking. And Bailey did that excellently here. So she cashes it in. Charlotte is laying there. Bailey climbs to the top and lands the top rope elbow. Interesting, that's the move she uses. And pins Charlotte in 21 seconds. And they did a long celebration after with Bailey holding up the SmackDown women's title. uh, Wins the championship. And... I think the the takeaways here is that you have Bailey felt so rehabilitated and you now have a woman that you can insert into the main event mix with all with with Becky, with Charlotte, Mm -hmm. like she feels totally in that class now. But it feels like Becky is going to be mainly on Raw feuding with Lacey Evans because they are clearly going that direction. For the time being, at least, you know, yeah, I mean, Lacey, I assume we'll get a rematch for the championship belt. I contend that she is not ready to beat Becky for that belt. So hopefully it is yeah. just another victory. This is going to be a case of wins and losses not mattering. <laughs> I hopefully it's a, it's a, it's another match for Becky Lynch before she moves on to somebody else. But I think, you know, transitioning to Bailey versus Charlotte is a very attractive program on SmackDown, probably their highest profile program that you can do on SmackDown. Um, but I, I love the direction. I thought these three matches were a great bit of exciting, well-booked pay-per-view television. Yeah, it's it's also interesting where what ultimately I like I don't have an update on Sasha Banks, but mm-hmm. you know, th- whenever she comes in, she'll be There's a right role for top. her. Like there is like there both divisions are starving for that type of star power. She was earmarked for Raw. And now when you think about it, like this it doesn't even matter now. Like she can go back and forth. Like it's yeah. really not as hard and fast as it's been before that she's got a ready-made program that she could work with Becky mm-hmm. as a heel, she can go to SmackDown and team up with Bailey. It's whatever the reason for Sasha's, you know, current hiatus. I think it'll ultimately help her when she returns because she's fresh now. The landscape's changed, and she becomes like immediately a player uh, when she gets gets back. I just so. think sitting out ultimately does you no good. Uh, I mean, it I mean, freshens like, her up. It, it freshens her oh, up, but mean- I mean, I mean, if it's just this prolonged. Uh, like like who knows what what's going on with her like it's um yeah uh so you know this was essentially a way to transition the belt off of becky to bailey so that you both have you have two baby face champions now and charlotte's nine nine time reign is uh well you but two minutes you got that benefit as well so she's on her way to what um 17 yeah more than halfway there yeah um i wonder if charlotte's gonna be on tv this week um, yeah, good question. You know, Ric Flair's set to undergo this heart procedure Monday morning, unless mm-hmm. anything changes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated on that as well. But, um, yeah, I would the SmackDown house show as well was canceled on on Monday night, so I could very well see her hmm. flying home if it's necessary. Would be understandable. <laughs> Grapple. There are a few matches to go through here. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let's start with the Lacey one. I'm gonna predict that got a a one. I'm gonna say that's the the lowest. Well. I can tell you that it is not. It's not? It got higher than Ray and Joe. Did it hit two? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know about that one. 2.3 is what Grapple rated this one. 
I, to be fair, I don't think it was a bad match considering her level of... Um, That's a hell of a bell curve. You know, I didn't think it was bad. No, I, I think... That'd be like me watching Braden on a pay-per-view <laughs> and then saying after, given his experience level... Why why the shade at Braden all the time? Who we watched the pay-per-view with tonight. We did he was watch a great the, guest. Well, I just I have that relationship with Braden. He <laughs> makes fun of me in return. Yes, that's um, true. Uh, you, but you know, I, I think it was a serviceable match. You know, it, it did its job in set in setting up Becky for the next one. And in, in what way do you want to see Lacey Evans again after this? I absolutely do not. I, I did the I, finish leave, leave well, you wanting to see this again? She, did cost, the match? she cost Becky Lynch the SmackDown Women's Championship. So that's why I want to see it. Now, am I excited for another in-ring match? Not really. I do want to see more of her as a character, though. I mean, there's... She's this, good as the character. There's a great clip of her... Um, WWE uh, has a number of guys that are really good characters. And... For me, the question if, will be, is she going to be an Elias? For me, if there was like an IC belt for the women, she would be a perfect challenger for it. I just think this would, again, be a case of too too much too soon. She challenges for the belt. She loses to Becky. God forbid she wins it. And I think that's the No, I think that's where her. they're going towards here. I, think I don't think terrible. she can lose two in a row. I just... I, I see problems. <laughs> anyway, uh, so 2.3 from Grapple. I think that's a very generous rating from the Grapple community. The next match, uh, Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch, they rated... 2.54. I thought they were going, I would say 90% of that match. I was really enjoying that match. And then Get, it just, it ended abruptly and it was a bad finish. Given the non-finish, I, I understand. And does Bailey and Charlotte even qualify? It qualifies. They received a 1.44. A 1.44. I mean, those types of matches, I, I, I don't know just, how you rank justify. that. I don't know how you have a proper 21 second match. It's fun. Then we had uh, Roman Reigns walking backstage. Also, another thing, I like that they they spent a lot of time on the celebration afterwards. With oh, yeah. Bailey. Like, they made it feel very important. And I think that's a, that's a little thing that really does cement, like, this is a big deal. And we're telling you it's a big deal. And this did wonders for Bailey. I thought this was a big night for Bailey. It was so great that part of me wonders if they could have delayed it and had, you know, a, a Bailey chase maybe be a bit more meaningful. Because where do you go from here? You get you have the Charlotte title defense. She could beat Charlotte, but you know, is, th- is it is she will she take off as much as Becky Lynch has taken off? Because so much of Becky's run to me has been about the chase. Yeah, I th- I feel that it will be Charlotte, and that's probably you know some people have grown at another Charlotte title program, but that's going to be your best match you're going to get. That Bailey can be the one that's kind of Charlotte is yeah. the one saying you fluked your way in, you have to beat me. Sets up Mandy Rose, you know, like all the other heels that you have on SmackDown. Yeah, so is that going to be uh, at Stomping Grounds? I don't think this will be happening at Super Showdown. Uh, no, I don't think so either. Stomping Grounds, I forget is the name of that one. Stomping yeah. Grounds. Uh, Saudi Arabia is on the Friday. The Stomping Ground show is two weeks later. Wow. They've got two episodes to build up that pay-per-view at the end of so June. So I'm guessing you'll have a lot of women's programs on that one. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Roman Reigns is walking backstage and Elias clocks him from behind with a guitar shot and Reigns goes down. And yeah, I was very concerned because what I thought was, oh, so this is how Elias can have the heat on Roman for 10 minutes as Roman fights back. That's what I'm thinking when they do the guitar shot. So out comes Elias. He just walks out and he sits in the ring and he's got an electric guitar and he says how Vince McMahon texted him telling Elias that he can now sleep at night because he knows the WWE is in good hands. And we know how Vince has an aversion to sleeping. So Elias has been able to cure this problem for uh, Mr. Uh, Insomniac, Vince McMahon. 
Elias insults Hartford. He performs a song and then ends it by saying, I love none of you. And now he says, I'm going to do what all of you wish you could do. I'm leaving Hartford. And he stops on the ramp and he says, before I go, I'm going to give you my signature pose. I thought Elias was really good here. He's always good in these types of situations. It's the worst part is the match. Oh, but be, was... besides that, he's always tremendous. He puts it. He puts his arm in the air, like he totally takes the John Morrison pose, yeah. and puts his arm in the air. He turns around, and there's Roman coming out and nails him with a Superman punch. Sends Elias into the ring, spears him, and pins him in nine seconds. This was perfect. Yeah. This whole segment from the guitar shot, the in-ring segment, the Superman punch, and the spear, fucking perfect. After the Joe Ray finished, John's biggest concern was that this was going to go 20 minutes. So I immediately said, I was like, there's <laughs> no way they're doing two two-minute matches. And no. I thought this was perfect. Absolutely perfect. I'm I not mean, gonna get one complaint out of me over how they booked this. I thought it was it was better than I expected. Every Elias match can be this, and I don't think Elias loses anything. Because to me, his everybody knows his greatest appeal is his pre-match shtick. And if anything, the in-ring always ruins those experiences. But this was just kind of diluting him to his best. He comes across like a superstar when you just see him do all that stuff with the guitar and all that, you know. So I think it protects Elias in a, in a weird way, just having him lose like this. And with Roman, it was just like, there was no intrigue into the outcome no, of this match. No one was looking forward to this match. But but also nobody for a second thought Elias was going to beat Roman anyway. It's Roman Reigns. He's not going to lose to Elias. So it gives the audience what, what they want, it gets this out of the way, and makes everybody look good in the process. So I just think, listen to the Cafe Hangout every Thursday before they pencil in the finishes for the matches, and boom, everyone leaves happy way. Oh my God. This is what I give to the world. Grapple, we know that they're not too kind oh, with short five. matches. This was a five. Five what? Five stars. <laughs> 0.5. Oh, get out four. of here. This, if, if you could what? rate that 21 second Bailey Charlotte match at that level, this was, this was just as good. I think it's given the, the list of participants involved as well. You know, it's Roman Reigns and Elias. And I, I, I I'm guessing people seeing that plus seeing it was a one match thing. They, they rate it as, as such. If but. you list, what were the goals of this match? What was the reaction we wanted for Roman Reigns? But that's not what this ratings. I mean, at least in my opinion, I, I this think this is you're, you're voting based on presentation. Like what was it? This I, is not a match you can vote on. Traditionally, star ratings, and and I'm maybe speaking on behalf of like Dave Meltzer's star ratings, which I think is the system that you know Grapple is very much based after. It's based on in ring quality, and you got no in ring quality here. Story quality, I thought you had, no, but you, you didn't know? for Bailey and Charlotte either. That's a that's we're a measuring a Superman qu- punch versus an elbow. Well, drop. the Bailey one, you you got a big celebration. It was like that's the, not match it quality, was, but it was more exciting. You know, great great atmosphere, great crowd. Again. This is a fan voted on thing. And to have your say. I want the analytics of this entire thing. <laughs> we'll call up Gareth right now. All right. We'll ask him. But uh, yeah, 0.54. Um, Roman and Shane. This is Next. this was on my match of the year shortlist. Seth Rollins, AJ Styles for the universal title. Were you surprised by the placement here? This was going on third from the top. Um, Not so much. You know, I think at this point, everything is somewhat interchangeable. Um. Maybe they just wanted to calm the crowd before Money in the Bank. And I think it made sense that you don't want to put this on last with the idea of dangling a, a potential cash in and eliminate that thought from people's mind. It's that. And I also think the Money in the Bank, to, to me, has had the most intrigue of all the matches on this show, more yeah. so than this. Yep, I think so. 
They went back and forth at the start, and it really picked up when they were on the edge of the apron, and AJ lifted him for a pile driver, and Rollins was able to block that. Thank God. Uh, Rollins hit a suicide dive. Both are down. Rollins starts nailing him with these Kawada kicks, and he's just, like, really looking good. Styles responded with an Ushiguroshi. Then Rollins lifted Styles, hit a buckle bomb, and a top rope splash for a two-count. Much better technique on the frog splash than we had seen earlier yes uh styles used a torture rack into a blue thunder bomb and then styles gets knocked off balance as he's setting up for the phenomenal forearm on the top rope and rollins proceeded to hit an inverted superplex and that's spectacular enough this is like dolph ziggler and alberto del rio would do this and that was about it and Rollins does the inverted superplex, holds on, and rolls through into a reverse uh, into a reverse bloody Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you so, can't really do an inverted Falcon Arrow, but no. this was kind of the next best thing. No, and uh, kind of a callback there with uh, with AJ Styles. I guess so. I wonder if that was like intentional. He took the move. Yeah, but this I, looked amazing. It was awesome, and and I think something that you know typically like guys will just kind of go to their quote unquote five moves of doom, but here like they decided to add a variation to it, and it became that much more memorable. Styles then hooked the leg and rolled into a deep calf crusher. Rollins was able to kick himself free. Rollins super kicked him, and then he went for the stomp. And he countered it in midair into a Styles clash for oh. this unbelievable near fall. I think one of the best Styles Clash entries you'll have ever seen. Um, not as not good, involving Kota Ibushi. Not as good as the Kota Ibushi one. That might be the top. But this ranks up there. Like, there are highlight reels that people, like, put out on YouTube of the best Styles Clashes. And this is definitely up there. After I saw this spot, I was like, okay, these guys, this is probably a one-and-done match because I don't see this program continuing. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, are they going to go all out? Because I always go back to that Kota Ibushi finish from Invasion Attack. And Rollins is probably—he's not the only one. There are other guys on the roster who could who could do the spot with him. Yeah. But Rollins is the one who has introduced the Phoenix Splash, and they did not go that far. I to think try that's it. such a risky move. I, I think it's very tough. Like it—it it nearly like they were lucky they pulled it off with Abushi and Styles, and that was 2015. Yeah, it's so risky. 2016. Maybe maybe in the rematch they'll try it. So. This was an unbelievable near fall that we had with the Styles Clash. And then Rollins made his comeback with the ripcord knee, a super kick, and then finally hit the stomp. 19 minutes, 50 seconds. I thought this was easily the match of the show. This was awesome. This lived up to high expectations going in. It was my match of the show. Yeah, I could see people kind of choosing between this and and perhaps the main event, Money in the Bank match. I enjoyed this more. I thought this was an excellent match. And I think I'm having a tough time myself, but I might kind of give the edge to this one you know dream matches to me often disappoint but this was one that 100 lived up to expectations um it's unfortunate that i think the build wasn't as strong for this one like in comparison to something like you know aj versus nakamura for for wrestlemania to me like my hype for that one was at uh an 11 this was more so at like a six uh but maybe that's better Maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe that's why this coin came across so much better. But I, I, this was better than AJ versus Nakamura for sure. All of the matches. Um, it felt like a match that lived up to both men's potentials. And that curb stomp styles clash counter, again, is is going to be something that you'll remember as long as, you know, that curb stomp into the RKO. Like the list of like really great counters. So it was a match where you got the sense that you're watching not just two of the best in the company, but two of the best in the industry. It's also something that I think... Seth has really 
he's to me he feels like the champion you yes. know what i mean like yep. he has that bret hart feel to him that's kind of what this feud has been about right Cause yeah for a long time aj was that guy on smackdown and you know yeah. you kind of have like your aces going up against each other but seth right now definitely feeling like the bigger ace of the two and i think what uh to, to WWE's credit, I think a very smart move has been distancing Seth from Roman. Absolutely. Because in that dynamic, he does feel like 1B. Yes, yes, yes. But the crowd clearly sees him like a lot more favorably. They do, know? but I, like like Seth really does feel like he has something and feels like that top guy yeah. at the moment. And I thought it, this was just a great, great match. I love this. Really good match. Grapple, uh, I assume, was very kind to this one. Let's go 4.3. 4.06. Okay. Yeah. Close. Uh, Styles stood in the ring afterwards, and then they shook hands. And I was waiting for Seth to say, oh, the Code of Honor? It's another promotions title I won that you didn't. Oh, ouch. Well, then AJ can say TNA Championship belt. <laughs> Seth could have said, well... People saw our main event tonight. Oh, no. Anyway, uh, I would love to see this rematch. I, I would love to see this turn into a series. Yeah, I'm sure they'll go back to it at some point. It just doesn't feel now. Um, Saudi Arabia. With Saudi Arabia, clearly they're building... Everyone's going to hate it, but like they're clearly building up Corbin for for Seth. Oh, my God. And that's, that's what they're advertising locally for extreme rules. That could always change. That's just local advertising. But that'd be a shame because I think they, there's a lot more life in, in this one. Uh, but they can always go back to it at any time. Where do you, know? you go with AJ, presuming this is over? I, you know, coming out of this, especially with the post match, I, I felt like there was going to be a chance we were going to see a, a heel turn. And at this point, I wonder if there's much more to accomplish with AJ. He went for the title, he lost. Maybe you go with a heel AJ Styles. Yeah, I'm curious what his next program is. There isn't that obvious. Um, person to pair him with at the moment. Charlie interviewed Kofi Kingston, who is with Xavier Woods, and Kingston acknowledges Kevin Owens' claims that he doesn't know if he could be champion without the New Day. Woods assures him, yes, he would, and Woods is going to stay in the back as per the wishes of Kofi. And Kofi says, I've got a title to defend, and he walks off, and he clearly didn't get the memo that there was going to be another segment in between because the Lucha House Party came out because I was just saying the way there's not enough matches on this show. We could really use a throwaway match. Thankfully, we didn't get that. The Lucha House Party comes out. They're throwing out their candy. I presume Skittles. Um, yeah. I mean, well, that's I don't what know. they threw away. Threw out at the business partner yes. summit. Right. I guess. And if there's anyone that's really upset at uh, Mars this week, the parent company of Skittles, it is Lars Sullivan who came out. Wow. Oh yeah. And Lars Sullivan <laughs> proceeded to kill these three and in the process cut his forehead open. Yeah, I think they said it was through a headbutt to Kalisto that might have done it. We, you know, didn't see the exact point, but uh, some some intentional, a lot of unintentional blood on this show. Yeah, so he just destroyed them here. Um, did you notice any particular reaction for Lars Sullivan beyond the normal? Not really. Yeah. Honestly. Like I, I think this was like a test to see mm -hmm. how are people gonna react to Lars after this week. Ultimately I feel like with a lot of these depending on the crowds, of course, um you're not going to get too many people either aware of the situation or caring enough to like be vocal about it mm -hmm. with your audience. Again, of course that's depending on the audience. But I didn't anticipate it for Hartford. Kofi Kingston, Kevin Owen, second from the top. Uh Owens ran Kingston into the post and then Kingston fell off the apron and crashed into the cameraman and they went to the best, the guys 
uh, perspective for the replay, and it looked incredible. These poor cameramen. Oh. I, hope they, I hope they have good like insurance. I they hope. must, right? They must have some bet. Anyway, uh, it's wonder. it's like. God, they were taking a beating in this show. Yeah, they did. Uh, Kingston went for this tornillo to the floor and was kicked in the body upon landing. Owens is just playing the bully here. He's trash-talking him. Kingston stopped a stunner, hit the SOS for a two-count. Kingston then stopped a super kick, and he was setting up for a dragon sleeper, but got stopped and hit with the pop-up powerbomb, and Kingston kicked out. He hit trouble in paradise, but Owens rolled to the floor to avoid getting pinned. They fought. They got back into the ring. Owens hit the stunner, but Kingston grabbed the bottom rope. And then Owens climbed to the top. He went for a swanton, landing onto Kingston's knees, allowing Kingston to stagger to his feet, trouble in paradise, and he pinned Kevin Owens at 14.57 to retain the title. Uh, The finish I expected, but also one that um, I just feel Kevin Owens is in a really tough role. Like, this was a pretty clean-cut loss. Mm -hmm. It felt like the end of this program it didn't feel like there's much juice left in it and mm. yeah i just i feel really bad for kevin owens i just feel he's just been the victim of circumstances the last two months i don't know if you have to feel that bad for him the guy was you know he's at least wrestling now he's in a title match he's at a certain level he's not you know putting ass cream on on his body or anything like he's that. he's not putting ass cream on his body but he is getting the the post mania match with kofi that there was no chance they were taking the title off of him it feels like it's one and done yeah and the brian thing certainly you know affected him well that's what i'm saying like well, it's just circumstances beyond his control i think you know having the delayed um you know association with the new day before the heel turn he would have been able to gain a lot more uh out of that whole program instead it seems like it was rather accelerated accelerated and extinguished kind of quickly but that's it you know i thought this was a very good match uh it it was it was good it was in a tough spot following the last match it's not at that level but i i thought they had a good match and we're also talking 10 o'clock right by by this point so it was rather late um you know it, it was similar in style to like the Kofi Bryan match and that like it wasn't full of like crazy, crazy, like spectacular moves. Um, it was maybe a bit more slower. And I think it didn't have the emotion, did not have the emotion or the prestige, but I thought it was still very good. Good near falls, good pace, good crowd reactions by the end. Um, but admittedly, I think the lack of, of real build, lack of real, I guess, uh, belief that Owens could win affected me and also the, the length of the show by this point. Then Gra- they grapple rated. Oh yeah, one. grapple. Three point seven one. Okay, respectable. Then they ran a commercial that started off with the question, "What's as good or better than WrestleMania?" Super Showdown, Friday, June seventh, featuring the Undertaker versus Bill Goldberg um, yeah. from a mysterious location. Are there going to be travel packages available for that one? Yeah, I don't think... Is uh, there going to be much tourism from uh, around the world to Saudi Arabia? I don't think there's going to be a, an access there. Uh, meet hmm. all of the, the entire roster. Maybe New Japan and uh, Ring of Honor want to piggyback off of a... Oh, yeah, yeah. Super showdown crowd. weekend. Yeah, maybe yes. Joey Janela's uh, Saudi Arabia spring break would be... Yeah, yeah. Joey jo- Joey Ryan's penis party. Yeah. yeah. Oh, pl- plenty of, uh, yeah. Okay. Plenty of different shows Weak they can promote kid. there. So that's coming up in two weeks from Friday. That quick? Yeah. Damn. June 7th. So two weeks and then two weeks yeah. for another show. Yeah. And all in Saturday. Well, what do we have? It's, uh, yeah, two weeks from this Friday. So we're, yeah, we're talking so, three episodes of Ron Smackdown to build up the okay. show. And they they just listed off the matches. Undertaker, Goldberg, Randy Orton, Triple H, the 50-man Battle Royal, which 
that to me is the the biggest hook to this show is how is this match going to work? I want to see who, who are the fifty, like who are the surprises, who are the you know, um, and who's not on the show. Who are the su- who are the substitutes? Who's the substitute for the? Are they bringing back the sumo guy? Who is the substitute for Yokozuna? What other strange requests have the Saudis made for for this battle royal? And here's the uh, one of many interesting questions based on the kickoff finish. Would that not suggest the Usos against Brian and Rowan? For Super yes. Showdown, I think that's that's yeah. And if that match is happening oh, or not happening, Brian going, you're right. That's what I'm asking. Like that would be the natural show to do the rematch. Ah, that's a very interesting question. So there's going to be a lot of interesting questions. Uh, the other two matches they announced this weekend for the show: Bobby Lashley versus Braun Strowman, and Finn Balor defending the Intercontinental Title against no, Andrade. not Finn Balor. Tom. The Demon. The Demon will be there. Yes, to take on Andrade. Um, Somehow the Saudis were able to afford the Demon. Well, the, the, the mystical power that Finn Balor can only tap into several times a year. Yes. Um, Finn Balor, Randy Orton, Andrade, Ali, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, and no one else in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. They announced Sami Zayn has been taken to the hospital and there are now seven people in the match. Mm-hmm. To be determined. Uh, so, yeah, this featured some of the craziest ladder spots. Just Unbelievable, painful spots at different times. Orton took turns dropping Balor, Ali, and Ricochet onto the announcer's desk at ringside. Randy Orton was maybe my favorite person in this match. Oh, he yeah. took he took no stupid bumps. He got as big a reaction as anyone else for one of his RKO spots. And I just love watching this guy. Like as chaos is ensuing, this guy is just doing his thing and he's getting as big a reaction as anyone else at this point he's kind of made a career out of like you know being the anti high flyer anti cruiser he's the, the fuck guy, that shit guy the guy who gets by doing the least and getting the biggest reaction but not ineffective like i would never call this guy like as a as a way to contrast with those other high flyers i think he's great i wouldn't want to see a whole money in the bank match with only high flyers i think the variation helps a lot Orton attempted an RKO to Corbin, but then got shoved into a Claymore kick from McIntyre, and that took him to the floor. Our first insane spot saw the main ladder in the middle of the ring, along with a horizontal ladder that was uh, that was on the rope uh, going into the ladder. Balor's climbing up, and Andrade does a sunset bomb over the ladder, crashing Balor back first onto the horizontal ladder, and this, we all gasped. This Jesus. was just insane. It Balor took crazy. so much punishment back first. I would say Balor the most. Yeah. yeah. Everybody. Everybody, but Balor especially. And this this one looked like it hurt both of them. Ali, I, I thought Ali had a really good performance. Like, he was one of the standouts in the match. He didn't get lost in the shuffle. He hit a Spanish fly off of two ladders onto Andrade. There were yowie wowie chants. The crowd started chanting yowie wowie, which if I was Balor and took some of this punishment and you chanted that at me, I'd be furious. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Bray Wyatt and uh, JoJo had their child uh, just over the last couple of days. So congratulations, congratulations. to them. Uh, Corbin choke slammed Ali through the table on the floor. This he got so much height on this choke slam. This was like nine one one delivering a choke slam. Then he entered the ring. He took Finn Balor by the throat, and with a ladder on its side, choke slammed Balor onto the corner of the ladder and. Oh my god, my spine like was in agony from watching this. I don't know if Finn Balor had just like uh, this was stupid. Done his like DDP yoga a lot and was feeling really good and like he could take a lot of punishment, but he was taking like a crazy amount. Like like again, it felt like more so than than a lot of other people. Oh god, I 
I Man. don't understand some of the ideas. Uh, McIntyre hit Balor with a vertical suplex onto a ladder. Yep. And then McIntyre, uh, Ricochet's climbing the ladder, and McIntyre yanked him off and tossed him over the top through a ladder that broke on the floor. That was the end of Ricochet. Um, you know, Ricochet had his moments, but I would say he was more of a background player of, of the seven. I thought that he... I thought Ali had more of a spotlight than Ricochet. I think with Ricochet, you think of him in a ladder match, you think of TakeOver in New Orleans last year, and that was his coming out party in NXT. In this one, I I mean, he was like um, a part of the match, but I wouldn't say a dominant part of the match. Orton then returned. He pulled McIntyre off of the apron by the leg into an RKO. That looked cool, and the crowd went nuts for that. It, it's left with um, Orton is sent on the floor and Ali is left alone. He climbs the ladder and he's right at the top. He's literally touching the briefcase when Brock Lesnar's music hits and everyone goes nuts, including Brock Lesnar. Like this dude was marking out for his music. Oh, yeah. He's going nuts to the point that he took a ladder and threw it at a cameraman and took out this cameraman. These cameramen took ungodly damage. Poor guys. They were off worse than Randy Orton at the end of this. So you're just like asking, why isn't Ali grabbing the briefcase? He was shocked. The music can be a piercing sound. You know the the amount of concentration that it takes to get one of those clips off, right? And you're on top of a ladder. Any any sudden noise. To Lesnar's credit, he bolted down and didn't let Ali stand there like an idiot for too long. He was quick to get to the ladder and start shaking it. Mm -hmm. And then he knocks Ali off the ladder and Brock is climbing the ladder. And this is just an athletic feat that you don't typically associate with Brock Lesnar climbing heights. And he's got the biggest grin on his face. And boom, he takes the the briefcase down. And I he, thought he actually had trouble climbing the ladder. Well, he, he was he was balancing himself, and then he like hesitated because he was he realized he was one one rung too short. And I thought it would be hilarious if like secretly Brock Lesnar, this monster, had a fear of heights. Yeah, and that'd be hilarious. But Brock yeah. grabs the briefcase and he wins in 19 minutes. A lot of people were a surprised, but be disappointed that it was Brock winning this. I mean, this isn't really. Um, elevating a guy mm-hmm. and and i think more so I, like i don't care as much about that but like obviously this is setting up the saudi arabia show which means like your two money in the bank briefcases are gonna have a lifespan of three weeks if that that is what they do with brock you well know? what else i mean he's on yeah. the saudi arabia show uh, it's like yeah and in that case i think it's a waste of money in the bank ladder match because think about the value that it could have provided for somebody like an andrade you know, um, even a, a Drew McIntyre, um, I think, could have gained a lot more from having that briefcase than Brock Lesnar, which that's a match you could have done anyway. You could have just had Brock attack Seth and then boom, you have that match in Saudi Arabia. Um, this, I, I guess, you know, in their mind creates a surprise to end the match, to end the show. And, um, you know, that aside, I thought the match was great. It was a great level of action, a great level of violence. Basically, it was like your bigger guys beating the shit out of your lighter guys and all your lighter guys taking all the crazy bumps and Balor, Ricochet, Ali, even Andrade. I thought everybody was, was doing a great job beating up their own bodies for everybody's enjoyment. Um, for the most part, I think, I think most of the people had a chance to shine here, including Baron Corbin, including Randy Orton. I guess not so much, you know, your smaller guys like Finn Balor, but even Ali, I thought had good spots. Andrade had good spots and, it's a surprise ending that'll piss a lot of people off, I guess. Yeah, it's 
it's one that you can certainly look at that as they are trying to make new stars that they felt like this, we would rather surprise people than go with someone. And maybe they felt like no one is at a certain level for us. Maybe. Um, that's yeah. that's possible because I think if they were really adamant about someone winning this, they would have held off Brock for to show up on Raw and attack Seth to set up. You could set up the rematch a million different ways. You didn't mm. have to do it with such a significant match stipulation as this. But they went for the shock and I think hopefully um, getting people to tune in Monday. They're going against another Golden State Warriors game, so that's not going to be fun competition for them on Monday night. Mm-hmm. But I think that this sets up the Saudi Arabia rematch with Seth Rollins. So that was money in the bank. Um, Grapple gives the match 3.88. All right. So yeah. match of the show was Rollins and Styles. Yes, it was. That was my match of the show. Yeah, I, I think it was mine too. So there you go. Overall thoughts on the show. You know what? Um, certainly... Uh... I, I can't say there were a lot of matches uh, in particular, maybe some of the, the, the Becky Lynch matches that I thought were less than, you know, um, uh, it, it, less than good. I would even say like, but that moment at the end with Bailey, I thought resulted in, in, in something very good. I, I would say it was an entertaining show throughout because you had a number of surprises and I thought you had some very solid wrestling starting from the kickoff all the way until the end. I thought the show was paced. Well, like I was, I never felt the show dragged. Yeah. Like your Elias versus Roman Reigns, like the matches that people didn't really care about really were not an offensive length at all. Yeah, I'm not going to go fully thumbs up, but I feel like I'm something between thumbs in the middle and, and thumbs up. I, I I genuinely enjoyed the show, but when we were going through the, the card, I was looking at this card like this could be a really, really great show. And mm. I wouldn't say all the matches met those expectations, but Rollins and Styles certainly did. I, I like both ladder matches for different reasons. Um, the men's match, th- there was a lot of like, painful stuff to watch in that match that isn't always my cup of tea but it was a really well put together match and i really liked what they did with bailey i thought that that was uh you know they've got another female now in that top mix that you need to spread it out beyond becky and charlotte now that ronda's gone and lacey evans is not at that level so becky uh bailey being in that role was something they needed I go thumbs up. I thought I thought okay. you know for my my like for my money there were uh, several entertaining ladder matches, a really good Seth Rollins AJ Styles match, and then everything else in between like a great Bailey moment, but then everything else in between was either really short or or just rather ineffective. And Reigns and, and Elias that should maybe tip it up for for me to to make my decision because I I thought it was perfect. I thought it was great. Shane and Miz was like I I did not um I didn't think that was like uh, awful. I thought it was actually inter- yeah, they, entertaining and i'm not afraid to say that so those you know, two in a cage given that limitation and not going the shortcut route that they easily could have i, I thought that they they over delivered at this point we're going to go to your feedback uh for uh, on the phones and also on the message board but if you want to call in the phone lines are now open one seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three long distance charges may apply or if you want call us through skype search post wrestling All right, let's go to the forum now and see what everyone had to say about Money in the Bank. This being a pay-per-view, it is on a scale of 1 to 20. And tonight's voters gave this show... Oh, I am going to just put in my vote here. A a 12.31. 12.31 out of 20. 12.31, that's about 6.15. All right. Jamie from Leamington writes, Weird show. A lot of the matches felt pretty sloppy and rushed. A lot of weird finishes between Joe and Mysterio's clear referee incompetence. The end of the women's money in the bank feeling like it was in slow motion once Carmella came out. 
Both Becky matches having ref problems. Just very odd. I will say that Elias's bit tonight was fantastic. I'd happily watch him have one-minute matches and do five-minute promos month in, month out. I'm similarly thankful that Corey was not commentating on Mandy Rose's match. As for the good bits, really happy for Bailey. Felt her win was executed well, and hopefully this can reboot her career. Kofi and Owens was enjoyable. AJ and Seth was great. And the men's money in the bank was good until the end. Brock again. I supremely don't care. And just more signs of how creatively bankrupt this company is. But financially, they're far from bankrupt. And that's why you're seeing Brock Lesnar with the money in the bank. Yes, you know? on their... Uh, upcoming eight-figure show that uh, they'll yeah. be putting them on. But, you know, that said, I, I would have just had Brock do the match without the briefcase. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, long-term, you can't say this is a year where they're going to get much juice out of the Money in the Bank concept, given that they cashed in one tonight, and the other will probably be done in three weeks. Matthew from Down Under says, I'm on holidays enjoying my time off, but I still decided to check in and watch Money in the Bank. It was a decent show, but fuck whoever decided that Lesnar needed to win the Money in the Bank. I had it suggested to me that he might keep the cash in until the Fox deal and cash in on Kofi, but I'm not going to give the WWE credit. This could have been great for several talents in that match. One of the worst results chosen for it. Brock Lesnar ruined my holiday. Whoa, wow. Raphael from North Liberty. I don't know why I always get surprised by the new and exciting ways that WWE finds to get me to be more excited for AEW. AJ versus Rollins, Kofi versus Owens, Women's Money in the Bank, all being fun matches, couldn't make up for the garbage ending and the otherwise wonky finishes. I don't know what audience this is made for, but it's clearly not for me. Okay. We go to Dave from Sydney who says this was a proper downer of a pay-per-view. So many options to move forward and push new talent and they go with Brock. Did they save the Lesnar cashing for the first night of SmackDown on Fox to boost ratings? Probably not. I don't think we'll go that far. Poor ref issues and outdated booking is not the way they should be moving forward a few days before AEW's Double or Nothing. Negative aside, AJ and Seth had an incredible match that will probably be the best WWE match of the year. The stars that they should be pushing like Andrade, Ricochet, and Ballard looked incredible also. And Andrew from Cape Breton. Interesting show tonight. The two Money in the Bank ladder matches were pretty good, so I definitely enjoyed those. I think the big issue tonight people are going to have is with Brock Lesnar. I don't think we can ignore the fact that he's a star, and this is a company that has had a problem with star power for the past number of years. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're not going to get stars if you keep stars from breaking out and becoming main event talent. Finish was worth with Ali just standing there when he could have grabbed the briefcase. One other note that some people may not talk about is the Cruiserweight title match. It was great that it got on the main card, but Nice and Davari aren't very dynamic performers, especially if you compare them to other people on the 205 Live roster. I hate the fact that they're seen as the lesser division when I think the champion looks like he weighs more than the WWE, IC, US, and one half of the SmackDown Tag Champions. Tonight was the worst 205 Live match they had on pay-per-view since the brand started. Anyway, I liked the show, and there were some good matches. 14 bouncy ballers out of 20. We go to our phone lines right now, and Hanzi is joining us. Hanzi, what do you think of hey, Money what, in the Bank? What's... Oh. I was between both both, uh, both shows that you know other finale. Um, I, I I liked most of it. I, I liked the both Money in the Bank matches, except for Brock Lesnar winning. But the title matches were really good. I, I hope uh, AJ and uh, Seth continue. Um, but I don't know. I, I I'm glad that Bailey finally got something. Like, you know what I mean? I I I've been kind of. Like, I was never really big on the Bailey character. Like it wasn't from my demographic, but I always like appreciate that she was over. So I'm glad that she actually cashed in on Charlotte because 
people on the timeline were like thinking, oh, she should turn heel and, you know, cash it on Becky. And I'm like, you don't got to turn everyone heel. Like, you can give her an edge. Like, I, I hate this notion that you got to turn everyone heel. So I, I like that they had her cash in on Charlotte and then maybe that feud can cook for a little bit. Yeah, I think that it's it's hard to argue after seeing the execution tonight. It was really solid for Bailey, who I've always maintained uh, could be a phenomenal babyface. But I, I think that they had just they had run her into the ground. But you did see kind of a, a rehabilitation through the tag program, and I think she was kind of in limbo since WrestleMania. So tonight was like a really definitive uh, positioning of her. So I, I think Bailey was handled very well tonight i think the idea of like of like you know turning somebody heel should come when they run out of opponents to wrestle with with her recent move to smackdown i mean she already has a whole new list of opponents to wrestle so i think she'll go through people like charlotte first and then hopefully turn baby or turn heel in order to pair up with a with a different list of uh uh, opponents oh yeah yeah totally uh and and before i go i want to ask you guys because uh with the whole wild card rules, everything has been thrown out the window as far as logic has gone, right? So, do you guys see that Brock Lesnar is gonna like, presumably cash in on Seth Rollins, or do you think he they'll give the option to go, oh, you know what, this Money in the Bank uh, briefcase, it can go on both brands actually, and then he challenges Kofi for the title? No, I'm I'm expecting him to cash it in for the Saudi Arabia show in a couple of weeks. That's what I expect. Okay, that's cool, man. Uh, guys, doing a good job as usual. Um, sorry I haven't been able to call in recently and all that, but uh, I'm, I'm always listening and watching, all right? So, we uh, appreciate thanks. it, Hansi. Anytime you want to call in, uh, feel free. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Thanks, Hansi. All right. Um, well, we'll, uh, we'll hang up for a few minutes before we uh, wrap up. If you want to get in any uh, last-minute calls, chat about anything coming out of Money in the Bank, or what you're expecting uh, coming out of tonight's show for Raw and SmackDown this week. How much do you think tonight's show was affected by Game of Thrones or or the NBA? Um, I'm, I'm sure that live uh, viewership was probably down, but I don't think it's you know the, this killer like if it had been on pay-per-view, for instance, where I think it would have been a detrimental effect going against both of those factors. But in in Enjoy this it. current incarnation, I, I think people will go back. They'll, they'll seek out what they, they want to see. But I'm sure that a typical WWE pay-per-view viewership was live viewership on the network was down mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Any, any other things in the news that you wanted to talk about? Well, maybe we should talk a little bit about what we're releasing tomorrow. Yeah. So on Monday, we're going to be putting out the uh, audio documentary that we've been working on. It's called Owen Hart's final day, a post profile. Uh, this is a documentary that uh, I've been working on for about a month now and done a number of, Original interviews for going back to May 23rd of 1999, which this week will mark 20 years since Owen Hart passed away. So this documentary will go revisit that day, speak to people that were there in the building that day that worked with Owen Hart and media members that covered the story at the time in 1999. So that is going to be released at 3 p.m. Eastern time on our post-wrestling main podcast feed. It'll be out on the website, so you'll be able to check it out there. And In the coming weeks, uh, we'll also be releasing the the interviews in full for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So mm-hmm. those will be starting uh, probably in a week or two, all the interviews that I conducted. Do you want to talk about the, the list of, of participants or do you want to save that? Let's uh, let's just leave it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll talk about it more on Monday night and also on Thursday's Cafe Hangout. It is uh, the 20 year anniversary of Owen's passing. So we'll be spending a lot of time on Thursday talking about that and kind of the making of the documentary, too, as well as uh, Damien Abraham will join us on Thursday for the first 
of a series of recaps of the wrestlers, which is Damien's series that debuts on Viceland Wednesday night. And then each Thursday on the hangout during the duration, the run of the series, he'll be joining us to give us kind of a look at what went into that particular episode and discussing uh, each episode. This week, they're looking at Evolve from 2017. So I'm looking forward to having Damien on. We go back to the phone lines and caller. What is on your mind? Hey guys, it's uh, Jared uh, calling in. Hey Jared. Uh, um, thought the I thought the show thought the show tonight was pretty good. Um, overall, I like some of the directions they're going, but uh, as anything, what they do, I'm kind of worried about their follow up. Um, I, I think that they can have strong nights every once in a while, but uh, following it up and actually building good storylines coming out of it is always the struggle. Um, like. Like Bailey, I think uh, you know this is a really good rejuvenation for her, but um, they need to kind of give her a run now where she looks strong and she doesn't, uh, you know, she doesn't just going go back to being a geek. And um, ultimately, I think it'd be really cool to see her go on, a, like, say, like a long run and have Sasha come back and challenge for it at the end of, say, you know, like a six eight month run. But uh, whether or not we could get that is is something to be discovered, I guess. Yeah, I think I think with Bailey, they've been they've created something now that I, I think you can uh, erase a lot of the mistakes that had been made with Bailey, and it it really did feel tonight like a fresh start to do something significant uh, with Bailey on on SmackDown. Whether it's you know moving over to Raw as well, like I'm like she really does feel like a player now in the women's division. Whereas for the past, especially for the past month since WrestleMania, she's really had no role and and nothing to sink her teeth into. Who who would you like to see her paired off against uh, other than Charlotte? Yeah, I'd like to obviously see her against Charlotte first. Um, the problem is Charlotte's kind of the strongest, so to see her beat Charlotte first off, I think any challenger after that would feel kind of like a, a step down, but mm. uh, it'd be nice to see them maybe build up uh, like a Mandy or, or someone in that, uh, like give Mandy a, you know, a good program next and build her up as a challenger. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of that match, it's hard to see anybody else as a real challenger or a, a, like a next step for, uh, you know, the SmackDown side. Let's also remember, you know, uh, maybe this isn't, uh, coming up because, you know, they're, they're challenging for the tag team belts, but you also have Kyrie State and Asuka on that show as well. So who knows, you know, in like nine months time, whether or not they'll be singles contenders. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, it's easy to forget about the, uh, the tag team, women's tag team division right now but what was your match of the night uh definitely uh thousand rollins but i, I really enjoyed the men's uh, ladder match as well um actually uh, opposed to most of the feedback you've gotten i don't mind brock winning um you know hearing that he's likely to just use that as a challenge in saudi arabia is, is kind of disappointing um you know it it definitely seems like a, a kind of a panic reactionary move based on the ratings they you know, just hot shot it onto brock but um i i think you could build an interesting story there where uh, he's just this, you know, big monster that has it who barely shows up, but you know, that, that uh, briefcase is just always out there kind of dangling and waiting. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it would be a real wasted opportunity to use it right off the bat within you know a couple of weeks, but yeah, uh, I, 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 I would imagine goes. we'll know the answer to that Monday on raw. If they're doing that match in Saudi Arabia, we know Brock's advertised to do Saudi Arabia and, I mean, there, there's always the, the chance it could, it could be held off for, for something else. But, I mean, that just seems logically where they're going. But I'm sure Monday night we're going to know what's happening with Brock in the Super Showdown show. Cool. Yeah, that, that show is just so strange because it, it doesn't really seem to play into the rest of their um, uh, 
angles most of the time, and then you'll get a couple of matches that do. But it, it, it's weird. It's like half canon and half not. Right. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Jared. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for all the uh, content, guys. I really uh, enjoy everything you put out. Well, thank you for your support. All right. All right. So, uh, yes, Wayne and I are going to be back on Monday night with Rewind to Raw. We're going to be chatting whatever happens in Albany, New York, and then our full slate of shows will be out. You can check them out at postwrestling.com. Uh, some highlights this week will include, of course, the double shot on Wednesday night for patrons. On Friday, if you're a patron member, we will have our latest MCU review. And what are we reviewing this Friday? We will be talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. And joining us will be Nate Milton to talk about it. And again, watching a lot of these movies now, especially Age of Ultron, I think coming after Endgame might be a bit of a different experience. So I look forward to talking with Brother Nate about it all. By the way, on our uh, feed right now, if you want a bit more of Brother Nate, he and uh, a, a listener of, of ours, Jason, uh, they ended up reviewing The Rock's video game adaptation from 2005, Doom. Have you seen this film? I saw this in the theater when it came out. I think I went to a screening for it. Okay, yes. They... I have not watched it since. Well, you can at least hear Brother Nate Milton talk about it, and uh, it it is not... Um, does not sound like a great experience yeah and uh final thing for for this week saturday night is double or nothing so way and i will be up after that show uh discussing everything that goes down it's a very busy weekend if you're in las vegas nevada with everything that's going on involving starcast and then double or nothing is saturday night so you can tune in for a post show with way and i uh late saturday night but that is it for us go check out postwrestling.com once again the uh, the owen hart audio documentary will drop monday at 3 p.m eastern time you can check that out then and we look forward to speaking with you monday night on rewind to raw goodbye